We're here for 506 on Breaking Bad, our recaps for the Better Call Saul show that we're going to do in about two weeks, Kelly. Um, my name is Mike. I'm here with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Hey, so yeah, we're, we're a couple weeks away from Better Call Saul, and we're coming down to the end of our Breaking Bad coverage. Um, here's 506 buyout. But um, Kelly is from Better Call Saul Fun Facts and Breaking Bad Fun Facts. Kelly, do you have any cool fun facts right off the top for buyout? Well, as soon as we get into the first scene, um, I actually have something really interesting, so I'll let you take it. Um, but yeah, there's a couple couple cool things about this episode I'll share. Okay, so we're we're talking a little bit about our format for Better Call Saul. We're um, we're going to be doing Better Call Saul a day or two after each episode airs, uh, which I think is on Mondays, if I'm correct. Yeah, we'll probably do it Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever. But um, we will have a spoiler section in Better Call Saul. We have no no semblance of a spoiler section on our Breaking Bad coverage, our recaps here. Um, so if you haven't watched Breaking Bad and you don't want to be spoiled, you shouldn't listen to these episodes because we talk about everything and anything and project and remember and all that stuff. So um, this is 506 buyout and it starts, Kelly, with the eerie disposal of Drew, the kid who got shot at the end of um, Dead Freight. Really creepy, really creepy beginning to this show. It was very creepy the way that they had the the bike coming out of the dirt and and yeah the whole thing was really quite scary and disturbing, um, but there was one error again with Vince Gilligan being the you know a stickler for accuracy is that the components of that bike would not have dissolved in the uh, acid, or at least that's what they were saying. Yeah, Did the you- plastic, the plastic <laughs> of the bike would not dissolve with the hydrochloric acid because it's held in plastic containers right but um but so what (laughs) still so cool the way the music it was just so somber and creepy and the hand in the dirt oh man oh that's right yes it is it was very yeah disturbing just also knowing that it was a child and then all the stuff we've been talking about with Lydia and not knowing what happens to me as as the mother of my daughter she won't know what happens or the child being lost the parents won't know what happens these parents will never know kelly what happened to this kid if they're gonna melt him they're gonna melt him out of existence yeah that that actually bothered me and i i almost thought that maybe jesse would um just like do an anonymous tip from a phone somewhere uh but they never showed that but you know jesse's such a little has a heart for kids yeah so we talked about spoilers and how we'll be more careful with saul we'll make a distinct boundary between the regular podcast and the spoiler section of the podcast for better call saul on february 8th but but kelly isn't there a scene later on in breaking bad here where jesse wants to give his money to drew's parents yes and does he does he ever connect with them or does that get blown up i don't remember anything being solidified that he did so for all we know, Drew Sharp's parents never know what happened to him. No, they'll never know what happened to him. Creepy. Man, that is so creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's very sad. Because, you know, he goes out all the time and does does his motorcycle stunts and stuff out there. They don't think anything's going to happen to him. Yeah. I, I have a hard time just sitting on that as a viewer. Yeah. It's true. It's true to the story, but it's just so disturbing. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. So disturbing. Then next we see Todd. Here's cheerful Todd in his psychopathic way. Just says, well, shit happens. And Jesse just smacks him in the face. Yeah, he's just trying to make small talk. Like, oh, you didn't tell me you smelled like cat piss. You know, like, okay, well, you can just see, you can see Jesse's hand just shaking. Yeah. Now, you th- now that's the methylamine, though, right? Cat piss smell, probably? Yes. Not the hydrochloric acid, hydrochloric acid to dissolve the body? Or- yeah, cause remember when, Bo- uh, when Saul was trying to find them places to cook, and they were saying that that uh, stuff would smell like cat piss and it would ruin the tortillas? Oh, uh, yeah, good catch, good catch. Uh, but anyway, Todd's just—he's just a psychopath. There's no other way to to describe it, and that that blurs into the credits. That's the first scene for buyout. Um, but we cut right back, and Todd's explaining himself. And here we talked about this last episode, I think, Kelly. But he was being a good criminal. He was—you know—he explains himself. The facts are there, and the facts are all on his side. They didn't know if this kid would just take off, and then that would be a huge loose end. Um, so well, it, like, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just. It is disturbing, but Todd's probably right. Yeah, I like the way that Todd also mentions that he's got. He's kind of have to sell himself, and he mentions that he's got the uncles, the prison connections. And you hear Walt say, "Well, are those going to be a problem?" And Mike says, "No, they're not going to be a problem." And you know, as we all know, they become a huge problem. Yeah, another crack in Mike's armor. Mm-hmm. Mike's slipping, I'm telling you, man. But another cool thing, Todd, or one thing we learn about Todd, or we didn't, we didn't know it exactly right now, but we will learn it, is Todd says, it's not like I wanted to, but later on we see with his Uncle Jack and his other cousins and people around the criminal Jack gang, he was proud of this action. He did want to. He smiled when they recounted it later on in a few, a few episodes ahead of this. He was happy when when they were remembering this scene. Well, he's grown up with a bunch of corrupt uncles and family members and Nazi gang members. And you know, he's probably been dealing with this stuff since birth. So, yeah, when he was boasting to them at Denny's um, in a future episode, he was very proud of what he did. You're right. So, Kelly, this whole thing with Jesse and Todd, this is a really kind of a crazy bit of foreshadowing, I thought. On the rewatch, it struck me. I'd, of course, there's no way to know it at, during the first time you watch it, but Jesse wants Todd out. <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts. He wants him out. And if he would have gotten him out, he would have saved himself a whole lot of heartache and pain and misery. But Jesse wants him out. Walt's trying to be middle ground reasonable, criminally reasonable maybe, but he's just weighing all the options. Um, one is we fire Todd and we keep paying him, and that's not very palatable number two is they just kill todd and number three is they keep todd and keep him in the in the gang um what did you think about those three choices kelly which would have you voted for well i i think that kicking him out's not going to be an option because he could always go back to his criminal family and they could you know take repercussions you can't exactly kill the guy um and I think Walt really wanted to keep him because just like Lydia, he sees things in people like Gus saw and Jesse, and he can see the kid's got guts. He's a lot more brazen than Jesse ever is. Um, so he could actually work out in his favor. Yeah, there was actually in the in the wiki for Breaking Bad, there was a comment by a by a viewer 
Um, I know you like the same wiki I do, Kelly, so I don't know if you read this or not, but this guy named Gyruk, Gyruk is his, is his um, message name, but he makes a parallel between Breaking Bad and the, tre- the Treasure of the Sierra Madre for this episode of Buyout. Did you ever see that movie with Walt Humphrey Bogart? No, uh uh-uh. It's a really cool old, old movie from like 1940s, 1948, I think. But here, here, let me just read it, and here's what he says. He says, when Walt, Mike, and Jesse are discussing Todd's future role in their meth business, there seems to be many similarities to the scene halfway into the movie where Dobbs, Howard, and Curtin are discussing Cody's role in their search for gold. In both cases, there are three main characters and one outsider who wants in, with the lead actor, Walter and Dobbs, being antiheroes. Furthermore, in both cases, the group is presented with three fundamentally different choices which they have to choose from in order to move forward. And this is the same, exact same thing that happens in Buyout. They have to either let this guy in, kill him, or pay him off to stay away. And it, I think it's another um, culture hound, Vince Gilligan, referring to probably a movie that he really liked with Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Sounds like something he would watch, for sure. Uh, and then this guy continues on with his notes here. Vince Gilligan has previously stated that Treasure of Sierra Madre is one of his favorite movies and may very well have inspired the scene of Breaking Bad. Um, and then he goes on a little bit farther. But I think, it, I think it's really cool how Gilligan references these cultural, these iconic cultural um, parts of media. It's, it's a pretty cool, famous movie. Um, one of Humphrey Bogart's most famous movies. And it's old and Gilligan loves those old westerns. He does. Anyway, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can read this guy's comments if they want. Um, so here's Mike again being wrong about Todd. He says he's just flexing his muscle. He's just trying to become part of our gang, and he doesn't really have that much power. He's wrong, man. He's wrong about that. Um, he's going to be a crit- that that link to Jack and his gang is a critical part of the rest of this rest of this series. Do you think that Walt had any idea in his head when he mentioned it because of the guys that were in prison that that might be beneficial to him? It's an interesting question. Like when when Walt says, do we have anything to worry about? You think he might have been thinking, hmm, can I really use these guys for nefarious means? Right. Exactly. Maybe. That's a great question. Maybe. What do you think? Well, he was – Walt's always 10 steps ahead of everybody. So, you know, again, I think he will look for any any benefit someone can bring him. And when he said that about them, he may have thought – because he just talked to Lydia about it and was worried about it. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a great question. So, Kelly, put on your philosophy hat here. Todd keeps the spider. What's the meaning of that spider? Well, I think I agree with you what you said, that, you know – it's got something to do with keeping Jesse in that little uh, prison. Think it has anything to do with the earlier themes of Walt adopting the people that he kills, the the characteristics of the people that he kills? It could be. That, I mean, I know that, that it's got to mean something negative, uh, but, I that yeah, that's actually another good theory. Yeah, because the spider didn't really further the plot when when Drew Sharp picked it up. He could have just been riding around, but they put the spider in there for some reason. I don't know. I can't figure it out myself. I thought you might have a take on it. So uh, next we see the DEA watching Mike with Kaylee in the park, his granddaughter. And Mike knows they're watching him, right? He's, he does the 
fuck you note under the garbage can. <laughs> yeah, he does. I love him because he's salty. But um, one thing Jonathan Banks did say is he didn't agree that he would have left his granddaughter in the park like that. Yeah. Yeah, I have a question for you about that when we come across that in that episode, too. But we'll get to that. It's not. I don't even think it's in this buyout episode, but we'll get to that someday. <laughs> Um, so Mike listens into Hank's office from the bugs in his car, and he is hearing them say that Ermintrout's going to fuck up. He's going to slip up, and he nods. He knows he's they're right. He's going to slip up. That was cool, too, I think, that his ego wasn't so big that he would say, screw you, you're never going to catch me. He, like, agrees. It's like, you're right, I better get out. Right, yeah, because he's getting tailed. I mean... Everywhere he goes, he's got people on him. He can't exactly be up to all this illegal activity. Yeah, he's getting tailed. He's got closer scrutiny than ever, and he's wrong about a bunch of stuff. That this is Mike Ermintrout, man. He's the he's the wolf. He's the cleaner. He's not supposed to be wrong about anything, and he's wrong about a lot. So it's time, I think, for him to get out. Um. So where are we here, Mike uh, or Marie and Skyler talk about the kids? Um, and now Marie and Skylar talk about this guy, Peter, the psychologist that Skylar has. And she still doesn't drop a last name. They're, they've got their story together on this thing with this psychologist, Peter. Um, so Marie talks about her Dave psychologist and she asks about Peter. And Skylar almost tells her, Kelly, she almost spills it. She looks pretty close to being on the fringe of just breaking down there. She really does, and Marie can be, you know, quite the motherly type of person where she can get things out of people, but, you know, then it gets all screwed up with suddenly now it's all Skylar's fault because of her affair. Yeah, Marie's an idiot. She's a freaking idiot. But she does come close. Skylar does say, well, the kids aren't safe from her and Walt. And, um... I think, Kelly, I think Marie wants to know more just out of her, just out of being nosy. I think she just wants to know out of being nosy more than she really wants to help. She's, she's well, just nosy. Well, Walt told her about the affair and she's her sister. And yeah, she's always been nosy. So yeah, she's definitely trying to get information. But of course, Skylar had no idea that Walt had told her that. So then in the end, she's just like, yeah, okay, great. I'm getting blamed for this too. Well, that wakes Skylar up. This is, she stupidly still thinks it's Ted, Marie does, and this wakes up Skylar, I think. Right. And so Skylar just lets her stupidly continue to believe that. <laughs> what other choice does she have? Yeah, it's a good out for her. I think she's relieved that, oh, good, she, you know, she's a pain in the ass. I'm glad she just thinks it's that. Um, so they're cooking at another another site, and uh, Walt and Jesse are, and they see a TV report about Drew Sharp on the television. Um, and this really haunts Jesse. This really gets to Jesse. Um, Walt shuts down the TV, and he tries to tell Jesse how much he cares, and he kind of fake helps him, right? He doesn't really care. He doesn't really want to help him. But he kind of fakes him out. He's like, I can't sleep either. I'm a parent. I'm a dad, too. All that bullshit. That was kind of hard to listen ridiculous. to. It's ridiculous. It was that was the dumbest thing. He was had absolutely no remorse, and you can see that he goes off while Jesse's goes to change. He's whistling like completely uncaring about the fact that Drew Sharp was murdered. 
Yeah, he says, like, well, let's just do it our way from now on. One more year. We don't have to put up with bullshit, like, people like Todd. Uh, that was weak. But, but you know what he was whistling? He was whistling Lily of the Valley. Oh, yeah. There's that's... a song, Lily of the Valley. <laughs> yeah, you can see how Jesse just kind of looks at the curtain like, this guy doesn't give a shit. Right, he's all remorseful. Then I come down, and he's whistling his merry way to work. It's like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> right. So over at the Vomino's Pest place, Mike wants out. He's laying down the laying down his final deal. He wants out. Jesse wants out too, but Walt doesn't hear Jesse, and but he's glad that Mike's wanting out. Um, Mike says the DEA is following him even more closely, and you know Walt's kind of Walt should give Mike more credit. Like, so did you lead them right to us right now? Did they follow you right to here? <laughs> Like, no, at least I know better than that. I I disagree. I would have been right with Walt. Like, you can be really good, but you've been slipping, and you kind of think that you're better than you are, and you could, they could have easily have followed him. He doesn't know he shook him completely, and that is such a big operation for them to get busted for. I would have been nervous, too. Maybe. I don't know. I think I think Walt just hates Mike so much at this point. He does. <laughs> But then Jesse says, Mr. White, I'm out too. I'm retiring. Um, but Walt comes back on them with, okay, we've got 1,000 gallons of meth. It's worth $300 million. But they can get out for $5 million each, two-thirds of the meth. They're, they want to sell, Kelly, and they, they will each get $5 million. And it will also eliminate, eliminate – eliminates a lot of problems. It eliminates all these legacy costs that Walt would just have gone because Mike's going to take care of them. But Walt doesn't like it because you're going to be selling to my competitors. Right. And he says, well, that's in Phoenix. It's a big country. Don't worry about it. But, you know, the whole stay out of my territory, he doesn't like it. Yeah, it's another way that Mike's wrong because that's Declan, the guy they're selling to, doesn't want them around either. He wants the exact same thing for his side of it. Right. So... I don't know. It was uh, it's just Mike slipping a little bit more here. Um, and then Jesse says, are we in the meth business or the money business? And we'll hear a pretty cool statement from Walt in a minute about he's in the he's in the empire business. But they go to meet Declan and um, they show up with uh, fifteen thousand dollars worth of meth. in that gallon of milk jug shows you pretty, pretty clearly how much that stuff is, va- how valuable that stuff is, huh? Right, and but I always thought it was odd that they had it on top of the car in that flimsy milk container. Because it just seems like if it got a hole in it or, I don't know, it just seemed like as much money as they're talking. Yeah, just, something so valuable that it, like, a, like a cup of it would be worth $1,200 or something. It just seemed careless to me. Yeah. Now, Kelly, I was really worried about Declan at first. I thought he was the I thought he was the ending demon of this because we didn't know at this point, right? We're at five oh six. There's what another ten, twelve episodes. We didn't know who the who how this thing was going to end, and I thought Declan was going to have a big part of it. I really did too, and they they were calling him the Wolverine because he because he kind of looks like the Wolverine. But yeah, I thought he would have a bigger part too. Yeah, he kind of peters out, but he does look ominous kind of here at the, at the first meeting. Right. Um, 
But anyway, that's the deal. They're going to sell their two-thirds for $5 million each. And um, Mike says, don't worry, they're way out in Phoenix. It's a big world. that They won't compete with you and all that. So um, I guess we're, we've already gone past this, huh? Declan? Well, Declan's saying I, I want to buy it all because I just want to be glad the blue stuff's off the market. And Mike doesn't say anything. So, yeah, both of those egos are competing. Exactly. Declan says 666 gallons doesn't seem right. You know, why is it? Why is that two thirds of a thousand gallons? What's where's the other third? He, he, he catches it. He catches the math. And then he lays down the law. OK, I'll give you a 15,000 gallon gallon, but only for the thousand gallons. Right. Um, so I thought this was brilliant, too, Kelly. Just great writing by Gilligan. He puts the pressure on that they can't just bail out. Now they need Walt to sell. He ties up that loose end really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, always finds a way where they're going to need him somehow. So all this produces a call now because they need Walt and it produces a call by Jesse and eventually a meeting with Walt and Jesse at Walt's house. <laughs> at Walt's house with uh, Walt being in FU mode totally. And Jesse tries to talk Walt into it, kind of knows that Walt's not going to like it, but he tries to talk him into it. But you know what, Kelly? Walt's not there. It's Heisenberg. Heisenberg's sitting in that chair. Absolutely. And that ugly green structure thing. Their house, the way it's decorated, has always been a distraction to me. But, yeah, it's interesting how things are so different in the beginning where he's just going to have him come over. (laughs) You know? Right. That's why I say FU mode. I don't care who sees you. Just come over. We'll talk it out. Right. Um, but then Walt slash Heisenberg tells him the gray matter story. Um, I don't think Walt – Kelly, here's a, here's a philosophical question too. Do you think Walt evolved in Heisenberg or do you think Heisenberg was always in him and was awakened during this, during this show? That's a good question. Part of me, when I see him in the beginning, when he's just kind of that weak guy, but then when he says that he got cancer, I'm awake for the first time. Uh, but I don't know if it was always in him or if it was, it, it, it was just a, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think it was always in him. Remember yeah. the scene when they, when they showed Walt and Skylar, they were looking at their house for the first time when they were trying to buy the house and Skylar was pregnant and Walt was the hotshot Sandia guy. He was Heisenberg. That was Heisenberg in him there. And, you know, he showed some of it with, with Gus and he showed some of it when he was back with, uh, what's her name? His first girlfriend from Grey Matter. Gretchen. Gretchen. I think he was always a bit of Heisenberg, and it just kind of wakened, awakened a little bit, you know, as the season went forward, as the series went forward. Right, and I like how he gives us a little information on Grey Matter and how he named it and that he gave it away for $5,000 for a month's rent or something and his kid's birthright, and now it's worth billions, and he checks it every week, so... You know, he doesn't want to give up this empire like he did last time. Um, you, you can just tell that he's just dead set on he's not going to sell. It doesn't matter if $5 million is a lot or not. To Jesse, it's a lot, but not, not to Walt and his pride. Yeah, $5,000 a couple months rent. Yeah, I can't stand that I blame him either because at this point he's starting to enjoy it. And he, you know, he killed Gus. That's got to be a huge ego boost for him. Jesse, you asked me in the metal business or the money business. Neither. 
I'm in the empire business. So that pretty much says it all. He doesn't care about his 700000 that he wanted, n- not even a year ago, right? He's, he's not even a year into this, and he's already needing, and $5 million's not enough, like $700,000's not enough. He needs this $300 million now, this whole empire. He, it's, it's pretty great how he doesn't, he doesn't care about the 700000 anymore or the $5 million he could get instantly and just like get out of it and retire. He's worried about this empire now, $300 million he could have had. By making all the math, Fleming into math, and all, you know, he's he's like, why does he want an empire? Well, I think because he had to go to Gretchen and Elliot's birthday party and have to explain that he's a mere teacher amongst all these other people, and and he has always regretted giving away gray matter per se and getting really no credit for it, and he's not doing it again. And I can't say that I blame him. Uh, I can blame him. He's doing too much math, Kelly. He's he's looking at gray matters worth two point one six billion with a B, but who cares? He can make his family safe and happy with what he's already got, and walk away. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he doesn't want to. You know, he's already addicted to it. Like he kept trying to say, "I'm just doing it for the family," and then he admits it does it for him. You know, it's it's an ego thing. He's enjoying it. What's he gonna do when he gets five million dollars? Go sailing? I mean, he just he's getting a kick out of all of this. Go die. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think he'd like that option. All right. Well, we, we see some uh, Jesse meets Skyler with some much needed comic relief at this point. And I think I read this is the second time they've met, right, in the series? Yeah. Yeah. And she's, I'm Skyler White, yo. I'm, I'm Walter White's wife, yo. Way back in the first season. Oh, yeah. She walked through his gate. He's like, what are you doing in my house? Yeah, this is one of my favorite scenes, comedic-wise. Aaron Paul's acting is off the charts. This is such an awkward dinner, and the way that he just keeps sucking down that ice water, you're right, it was a much-needed comedy relief for all the death and things that have been happening. Yeah, Walt's drinking his whiskey, Skylar's drinking a big bottle of wine, and Jesse's drinking water and complimenting Skylar on everything, green beans and... How did she make them so delicious? And she tells him where she went to the store and bought them. That was awesome. Yeah, and then he's talking about how he microwaves lasagna and reminds him of a scab and just everything he can do to just look idiotic. You know, here Skylar's meeting him really for the first time in person uh, at a dinner, and (laughs) he just acts like a stupid teenager in a way but so cute i love jesse jesse does his best but skylar just mows him down and with all that talk too about the affair did walt tell you about my affair with like, how's he gonna stand up to that come on it's not playing yeah, fair trying to like butter her up like oh walt talks about all good about you when we do talk about you and oh yeah well did he tell you about my affair and the way that she grabs her wine and clinks her glass and walks away is beautiful yeah, she asks if she can be excused, like, real sarcastically. <laughs> and Jesse drinking his water and looking at both of them while he's still drinking. That, it's just iconic. Yeah, I love it. All right. So, um, but Walt did this for a reason, right, Kelly? He did it to prove to Jesse that this is all I have. I don't have a family. Look at my wife. Look how she treats me. This empire deal is all I have left. Right, exactly. That's why I can understand why he wants to keep going. It's a pride thing. It's it's really all that he has. 
So I'll go straight from here to try to grab the meth tank, the big tank from the train train car. But Mike catches him. Mike's in wait for him. He knows what he's up to. And they're going to take care of Walt Chair. They know they need all 15, or all 1,000 gallons, $15 million worth, or it's no deal. So they're going to sell it all together and give him his $5 million, and they're all three going to be out. So Mike's going to sit and watch Walt all night in kind of a mirror scene of uh, Kubi and Huell watching Ted until the check clears. But um, Kelly, in the most inexplicable diversion in TV history, Mike needs to go somewhere. Where does he need to go and leave Walt alone and what the hell? Well, I really do like the fact when the first the scene opens that uh, Mike's already got Walt's number. He knows that Walt's going to come in there and try to steal that methylamine. Um, and yeah, you got to wonder what is so important that that Mike has to leave. But we find out it's he's got a meeting with the DEA. But yeah, the way that he ties him up is kind of ridiculous. So do you think Mike would have gotten arrested or something if he didn't if he showed up like? two hours late or i mean he stayed up all night to watch him and take care of this such an important thing and he's almost out but he leaves him uh, well, i think job is a you know as a prior police officer he knows what's gonna look suspicious and what's not and he probably had a meeting you know they had a certain time that he had to be there and he uh just had to go yeah i thought that was weak a weak part of this script but um, Walt uses science, welding science, to escape from the zip-tie handcuff that he's got on his radiator, holding him to the radiator. Yeah, and I have to say here, I did a fun fact about this the other day, is that when you sh- when it shows him burning his wrist to get out of that, that that was actually a total fake arm with a hand that they used, and they molded it with the freckles and the hair to match his skin tone. So it was pretty interesting if you see the behind-the-scenes how they did that. Pretty good details, yeah, to match his arm exactly. Yeah. Um, so then we do see Saul and Mike and and them at the at the DEA, and Saul's filed a temporary restraining order against the DEA for stalking my client, which is pretty funny. Um, he's just a senior citizen; you can't stalk him. He's going to the park with his granddaughter. Saul comes up with some doozies. Yeah, I thought on my first watch, I thought Saul made that up. Because he talked about the judge who who doesn't like um, senior citizens being stalked, but I think he really did get a temporary order. He he um, he says it's not going to hold up for very long, but you have like twenty four hours. Yeah, he calls him a senior citizen, but, which was funny. But yeah, he does because he says you know that that just bought you about twenty four hours to get what you need to get done. Um, so leave it up to Saul Goodman to come up with something as crazy as a restraining order against the DEA. And have it be successful. So, Kelly, let's reflect a little bit on Mike here and Saul. Mike, I think this is a product of the show, characters in the show growing big that kind of got unexpectedly big on Vince Gilligan. Because um, remember, Mike was first, his first uh, role was Saul's cleaner. He was like the Mr. Wolf cleaner for Saul. He cleaned up the heroin problem with Jane and Jesse. Correct. But then he got really big as Gus got big. I don't think I don't think Gilligan expected Gus to get as big as he did, and then Mike had to get big because he was like his chief of security. So now Mike's really big. He's not just a cleaner; he's like a big enforcer guy for Gus. And now he's just this big, huge character. 
But he's back with Saul again. So it's, it was a little unusual to see him with Saul, uh, with Saul being his lawyer, that he's a, he's a big player now. He's not just a cleaner in this, in this role. Right, and they, they're gunning for him because they can tell that he, you know, he was the chief security for Gustavo, and now they're on to Gustavo, so they know that he's got, he's got some corrupt role in all of this. Yeah, just really interesting how the characters grew in, for the writing team, Gilligan and his writing team, probably grew bigger than they expected. Right, exactly. I'm sure that um, Jonathan Banks, when he started this, didn't expect to be on a spinoff show with Bob Odenkirk called Better Call Saul. I mean, this thing just it really did grow in his role. You're right. It did, he did start off with being the cleaner because they couldn't have Saul Goodman do it. That doesn't make sense. That's how they started him in the first place. I think uh, it's a really good sign for Saul's show because it, cause, you know, cause we've, our first impression is okay. What can they do with this clown lawyer Saul? You can't, you know, they can't make a series out of that. But I think they can. They can grow. They've grown these other characters even bigger than they thought. That that this could really be something that even they don't know what you know what what it's going to be in the long run. This show, Better Call Saul, is going to be so good. And all the research that I've done and all the, you know, we've all seen the trailers and everything uh, and come to find out that the colors are going to be another uh, factor, just like Breaking Bad. And it's going to be kind of a transformation from how Jimmy McGill became better or became Saul Goodman. Um, It's going to be all good. If it's Vince Gilligan and they've got like 80 percent of the staff and writers uh, it, it, it's just going to be a winner. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think it'll be good too. But I, I just, I'm just going to be super interested to see why it'll be good, how they make it good. So yeah, this one winds down. They, they get back to Vominos. The meth is gone. Walt stashed it away somewhere. Mike's really mad, of course, at Walt, and Walt just super calmly states, "Everybody's going to win. I'm going to give you more than your five million. Just relax and ro- let it roll." So, but once again, the writers have stamped this time factor onto it that Mike only has about 24 hours before the law is going to come down on him because of this restraining order. And uh, he, he'd rather have his $5 million in cash, but he has no choice. He has to wait and see what happens. But this time, this time constriction, it really makes it more tense. Right. And once again, we've got Walt who's playing this strategic chess game and, you know, he he manages to make it where they need him. And now they manage to make it where he gets to cook again. They can't have their money. And and the the things that he does, the strategies he uses are amazing and nothing that I ever expect. Yeah, it seems like that's happening more and more. Time pressures are more and more intense and things are happening more quickly now with shorter time windows. It's just like he did with the train tank, getting the last few drops of methylamine out of, out of that tanker car in the train right up to the very last second to the point where Jesse's life was even in danger. But uh, that, that use of time was very, very cool by the writers. But that was it for 506 Buyout. Um, you can find our uh, other podcasts on our West Coast Project website. Better Call Saul is going to start in a couple weeks. Kelly's doing a lot of fun facts for both Breaking Down and Better Call Saul. Uh, Kelly, what are your websites for those? Uh, Breaking Bad Fun Facts and Better Call Saul Fun Facts on Instagram. And then I've got a separate Facebook um, called Breaking Bad Fun Facts, and that's on Facebook. Okay, and you can reach us on Twitter. My Twitter is at Scathing Tweets. And Kelly, what's yours? 
BRBA underscore fun facts. All right, so that's it for 506 buyout. Next time we'll do 507, say my name. And until then, Kelly, I'll uh, look forward to doing Say My Name with you. I love that one. Thanks. All right, bye-bye. Bye.